love sitting on the front row to see all sorts of stuff. The little offering basket fell off this morning. It made me think of one Sunday we were here, and one of the kids, I don't know whose it was, I'm calling out somebody's kid, I just thought it was funny, came up and put the money in the baptismal. And I was like, well, I guess we'll take it however we can get it around here, you know? I'm like, it don't matter if it's wet, it'll still spin good, right? Man, so much fun being in community and being a part of the church. I love our church. and I want to, yeah, amen. Hey, we love our church. It's a good place to be. Thank you. Um, I, I want to address a few things that you may have heard about in our church, a few concerns, maybe some emails that you've gotten. And I want to walk you through just a few things that are happening here, just so I feel like it's appropriate to talk about it from the pulpit for just a minute. Um, and update you. One, our senior pastor, Brian Gilmer, has taken a three-month sabbatical starting this week. You guys may have seen that. Um, our church has been through a lot, uh, and he is tired and need of some rest. And we are receiving an interim senior pastor by the name of Mike Guffey. Um, I don't know how many of you remember Mike Guffey. He's a uh, great guy. He's uh, just here. He's going to fill the gap while Brian is on sabbatical. We've also had a couple of resignations lately, if you saw those emails. One is Lindsay Wolf, and um, Lindsay is our director of children's ministry, and I just want to say thank you to Lindsay publicly. I don't know if she's in here, but we're going to miss her on our staff, and I'm, I'm grateful for her time here, and she did some great work. You also um, may have gotten an email from the, I think it came from the Disaffiliation Task Force, uh, who is tasked with helping us honor our church vote. Um, to pursue disaffiliation from the United Methodist Church, and they were given an update about the Trinity campus and some concerns about to whom it belongs, uh, the Trinity campus. So there's a lot happening. I won't get into the details of that because that's not all worked out. But here's what I will tell you in saying all of that is that we have some incredibly talented lay leaders uh, who are on church council and other committees. I have full confidence um, that we are headed towards a new chapter. Um, and I believe we're going to come out uh, in a much better place than where we've been. And what you need to know is that in the meantime, we're going to keep doing church. I want you to know that. That in the meantime, we're going to keep doing church. And we have some staff here who are fully confident, fully capable, myself included, who are committed to the life of this church. And we're not going anywhere. And I want you to hear that, that we're committed to this place. And so I would ask that you be praying for our leadership as we make some really important decisions coming up, especially this week. And my goal moving forward is to be as transparent as possible with this congregation about what's going on in the life of our church. I think you as a congregation are the ones who keep the lights on. You as a congregation are the ones who make the ministries happen. And you deserve to know what's going on in the congregation. But I just want you to know I'm confident where we're headed. And if you feel a shift going on in the church, I think a shift is taking place. But I don't think a shift is bad. And I think it's a good shift. I think the Lord is moving. I think the Lord is in this place. And I think we're on to good things. And I stand in confidence when I say that. I'm confident that we're going to be in a better place within a few months. And the Lord is going to do great things. And I just wanted to say that to you this morning um, and uh, encourage you. I hope you're encouraged. I know it hasn't been easy. It hasn't been easy on me. It hasn't been easy on any staff. But we do have folks um, who, are, who are committed, and we're going to see it through. So thank you all um, for letting me share that with you this morning. Speaking of, uh, we're going to talk about stepping out in faith today. I think it's really, and, and especially in light of what I just shared with you, it's really important that we talk about what it means to be a people of faith. What does it mean to step out in faith? Uh, where, you, where are you in your individual spiritual life? 
as far as faith? Where are we as a church when we talk about faith? Where are we as disciples of Jesus Christ when it comes to faith? Really, everything we do as followers of Jesus is about faith. Hebrews 11.1 defines faith as this. It defines faith as being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. I'm going to say that again. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. I might say it a third time. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Y'all got it? Okay. Um, If you can't see it, uh, it, uh, if you can see it, it's not faith. Faith is trusting in God in the uncertainty. It's not knowing the outcome and still trusting in Him. If you know the outcome, if you can see it, it's not faith. So we're going to read about a man who had to step out in faith, trusting in the promises of God. He's traveling into the unknown. He's stepping into uncharted waters. He's going into unfamiliar territory. He had no idea what challenges lied ahead, but he stepped out in complete faith because God had called him. His name was Abram, also known as Abraham. Do you all remember him? You remember the song? What was the song? Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. This is awkward. I don't want to keep going. But anyway, okay. Um, but yeah, Father Abraham, you remember him? We all know the song, right? Um, because he became the father of many nations. And uh, it, it's, he had to step out in faith. And here, here's, what, here's what Genesis 12 says. I want to read to you Genesis 12, verses 1 through 5. Genesis 12, verses 1 through 5. And I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of the Scripture it says in Genesis 12, 1 through 5, it says, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. This is the word of God for the people of God. Father, bless the teaching and preaching of the word today as always, in Jesus' name, amen. And you can be seated. So I'm going to go pretty quick because we have communion today, so just hang on, uh, hang on to your seat. But just as a reminder, we're only 12 chapters into the Bible right here. And so we've had Adam and Eve, uh, we've had Cain and Abel, we've had the flood which wiped out most of humanity, we've had the Tower of Babel, and then comes Abram. And we see quickly that humanity is very fallen. In fact, about the time humanity gets some momentum, sin enters the picture and they fall. But we see that our God is a God of redemption who is continually weaving a plan of redemption in and out of the Bible. In fact, Abram will be a conduit to lead God's people into redemption. So the first thing we see is that he calls Abram from his own country to somewhere else. We know that he actually calls him to a place called Ur. And I think that's really funny because I'm like, I can't imagine if you were from Ur. Like, where are you from? Ur. It's like, Ur. I'm from Ur, um, which was in Mesopotamia. Uh, But he's calling him to the land of Canaan. However, he doesn't know that he's calling him to the land of Canaan. And so the first thing I'll say to you today about faith is that in order to step into the unknown, we must leave the known. Once again, in order to step into the unknown, we must leave the known. You have to leave the familiar, um, the comfortable, the known, in order to go to a place of uncertainty. 
Might be a place you're trying to decide whether whether to leave. Might be uh, it could be a job, it could be a relationship, it could be going into full time ministry. But faith accepts risk. You have to have risk in order to have faith. If there's no risk, there's no faith. You're taking the risk that what God has for you is better than where you are. So in other words, you're stepping into a place of uncertainty, of unknown, going, God is calling me to this. That's why it's so important that we have prayer and that God is leading us somewhere and that we're following him and we're not leading him. We're trusting that he's going, hey, I want you over here. And we step into that place in faith. I remember vividly taking an appointment here at Buncombe Street about eight years ago. And I remember that God called me through the appointment system and through some other things, but, but he was calling me to lead the place where I was really, really comfortable in my last church, a place that I was operating out of a position of, of comfortableness. I was comfortable. I loved the people and cared about the people. And God was saying, I want you to step out. And I remember going, man, I don't want to step out of the boat. Like I am good and comfortable. So I was having to leave a place where I was comfortable into a place where I was uncomfortable. Faith prays, faith hears, faith receives, and faith acts. In other words, you you pray to God, you receive an answer to him, you, you hear it, and you step out, and you follow it. Faith is not hearing and then not doing it. If you just hear what God wants you to do and you don't do it, you're not stepping into a position of faith. Sometimes faith is leaving behind an old habit. Sometimes it's leaving behind an old lifestyle. Sometimes it's leaving behind a person. Sometimes it's stepping into a new positioning that God has for you where God goes, if you step into this place and leave that, you'll be more blessed. But yet you're over here going, God, I don't want to do that because that's uncomfortable for me. And everything around me is very comfortable right now. Even though it's ungodly, at least I know what it is. And he's going, but if you step into this over here, you'll be blessed. But yet so many times between the comfortable and the blessing is just us going, man, I don't want to do it. Abram had to leave his country, his people, and his father's household. That's a lot to leave. He had to leave, he he had to let go of the temporal and cling to the eternal. He, He had to let go of his own agenda and seek God's agenda. Remember, he's leaving his homeland, and listen, they didn't have planes, they didn't have cell phones. They didn't have cars. I mean, I don't know if you got on a camel and went to see your family. I don't know how that worked, whatever. But like, like he was literally leaving everybody. There's no FaceTime. There's no messenger. He's literally stepping out. Hebrews 11.8 says this. It says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place where he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. Listen, even though he did not know where he was going, even though he did not know where he was going. He didn't know where he was going. He couldn't see what was on the other side. Faith is not being able to see around the curve, yet still doing it. I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine that you're driving, and you're in the mountains, and you go, you know what? I'm not going to go around any curves because I can't see what's on the other side. So I'm just going to drive until I see a curb, and then I'm going to stop, and we're not going to go any further. How far would you get? You wouldn't get anywhere. See, faith is saying, I'm going to drive around the curve even though I don't know what's on the other side. But so many of us want a straight path. We're like, God, I just want to be able to see what's ahead. And I want to make sure. And I just want to know for certain. And I want to see what's going to happen. And God's going, no, you got some curves in your life. The reason we don't want to go around the curve is because we're in the driver's seat and not God. If God's in the driver's seat, then you don't have to worry about faith because you're just going, you don't have to worry about what's around the curve because you have the faith to go, God's driving. 
I, I mean, it's, uh, Carrie Underwood had the best theology. I mean, it's like, just take the will, right? I, 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 take the will. Like, you take it, God. I'm going to sit in the passenger seat. We're going to go around a bunch of curves, but I am with you. Therefore, I know that I will be okay. Now, for some of us, this is easier than others because a lot of people, some people, at least I know in this room, I know some of you have the gift of faith. That's a biblical gift where God actually has given you an extra dose to be willing to step out. I don't have, I'm not a great, like, that's not my gift. I have other gifts, but faith, I love surrounding myself with people of faith. Now, you have to be careful because you got to slow them down sometimes because they're like Peter, and they just jump right out of the boat. And before you know it, like, all the faith people are just in the water, and you're like, wait a minute. But that's a gift, and so it's important as a pastor, as leaders, that we surround ourselves with people who have the gift of faith who can say, hey, we need to step out of the boat. It's time to step out of the boat. Genesis 12, 1, it says, The Lord had said to Abram, Listen, go from your country, your people, and your father's household. Listen, to the land I will show you. Not that I'm showing you, but that I will show you. So next, what I would say is that faith isn't trusting in the seen, but in the unseen. Faith isn't trusting in the seen, but in the unseen. God's saying, trust me, follow me, I will show you. Have you ever been there? I know that I have before where I'm going, man, he's like, just trust me, just follow me, I will show you. But you're like, well, before I buy a car, I want to test drive it. Before you marry somebody, you want to meet them. You want to lay eyes on them. Before you take a job, you want to see the job description. Well, God, before I do that, I want to make sure, right? But stepping out is what the Lord calls us to do not knowing exactly what the next steps are going to look like. He doesn't give Abram the details, but what he does say, if you trust me, I'll bless you. If you trust me, I'll bless you. If you'll walk in step with me and follow me, I will bless you. There's a sevenfold blessing that he says in the scripture. Seven things. I'll, I'll, I'll throw them out there real quick. He says, one, I'll make you into a great nation. Two, he says, I will bless you individually. Three, I will make your name great. We're singing about him this morning. Four, you will be a blessing So to others. Five, I will bless those who bless you. Six, whoever curses you, I will curse. And then seven, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So one other thing I would say to write down and, and understand this is that obedience leads to blessing disobedience leads to lack of blessings. If you want to be blessed, you're obedient. If you don't want to be blessed, don't be obedient. If you want to have the gifts of the world, don't follow, don't have faith. But if you want to have the gifts of God and his blessing, take a step out for God. Verse 4 tells us that Abram left as the Lord had told him. So as the Lord had told him. Verse 4, it says, so Abram went as the Lord told him. And Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. We're going to talk about 75 years old in a minute. But it says, as the Lord told him. What would it look like if we did as the Lord told us? What would that look like if we all did as the Lord told us? 
Not as I want to, not as makes sense, not as everything seems to be lining up to go that way, but what if we did as the Lord told us? What if we collectively listened for the will of God? What if as a church we collectively hit our knees and listened for the will of God and asked God and prayed and sought God and prayed and and fasted and spent 40 days in fasting and said, God, show us, teach us, show us what to do, who to be, who we need to be, what's our vision, what's our plan, what's our purpose? What if we asked him and when we received, we stepped in faith? We stepped out trusting, well, I need all the answers. We wouldn't have all the answers. Faith is not having every answer out there. Faith is trusting and stepping into a place of the unknown. It'd be exciting, wouldn't it? Life wouldn't be boring if you're living in faith. It's it's not boring if you go, golly, I feel like my life is so mundane and boring. I promise you're not living in faith. You're living in the everyday, just grind. But God didn't create you for the grind. God created you for the kingdom. And if you have kingdom purpose and you wake up every day and go, God, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to seek you. I'm not talking about big picture. I'm just talking about God says, hey, I want you to stop and talk to the guy quick trip and have a word of, of encouragement with him. Looking for opportunities to speak life into people. That's We try to mitigate risk. I do this in my own life. I want to mitigate risk. I'm like, let me get the risk down to about this big and I can do it. But the problem is if the risk is this big, you don't die on a cross. You die on a cross when when you're not mitigating risk, but you're living in the kingdom. You're living the life that God wants you to live when it's like this. And God goes, I'm going to work all in here if you would just trust me. But he doesn't promise you a long life, and he promises you that he will be with you no matter what. That's faith. He might give you another month, but if you're living with him and in him, and you die in that month, you know what? You're going to the kingdom with him. But we want to mitigate it. See, Abram moved to another country. He left his family behind, everything. And it says that he took Lot with him. Lot was Abram's nephew. If you remember later, they, 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 they go two separate ways. Lot takes the easy way. Abram takes the hard way. It's really another sermon. But it tells us he was 75 years old. 75. Now, listen, he, this man lived 175, by the way. Um, so 75 wasn't really that old, but it was still an advanced stage for a calling. And here's what I'd say to you today is it doesn't matter how old you are, God can and still use you if you are obedient. Um, your time's not done because you're older. When God calls, he calls. I remember when I was in divinity school, I remember, um, it was one of the youngest divinity schools. The average age was 26 years old. And I can remember everybody wanted to study with all the young people because they thought the young people were all spry and, you know, they could, you know, study better or whatever. And I remember I specifically sought out a group of people who were all second career. And they ranged in age from 40 to 65. One of them was a retired Marine. I'm going to tell you, I learned more from those people than I could have ever learned from some 25-year-olds. And no offense to 25-year-olds. I'm just saying, like there's wisdom in your life. If you're older and you're here, you have experience, you can help the younger people. Like don't look at an older person and go, gosh, they're old. Look at them and go, they have wisdom. We have so many people with wisdom in the life of our church. Abram brought 75 years of wisdom and experience. And the Lord said, go. And it says in verse 5, he took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Boy, God bless, she later becomes Sarah, but God bless Abram's wife. Uh, I imagine when he came home, he's like, honey, we're about to leave. 
Um, we're going to leave our, our house and our, and our, our friends. And, and, and she, It could have gone one of two ways. One way, she could have gone, I'm not doing that. I mean, she goes, I love our neighborhood. I love where the kids go to school. The Harris Teeter's across the street. I don't know what she would have said, you know. But she could have made all these excuses. And she could have said, I, I don't want to do that. Um, or she could have gone, you know what, honey, let me pray about this. And let me talk to the Lord. And if that's where he's calling us, then let's step into it. Um, Lord knows a, a godly spouse is worth everything in ministry. Now, later she would laugh, of course, um, when God says, you, you're, you have a child. But she was, I think, in her 90s. I would have laughed too. Still laugh at that. But Hebrews 11.11 says that she was a person of faith. It says, Hebrews 11.11 says, And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. So she had great faith. And she went along with Abram, and they were obedient to God. And now it would not be easy, I will tell you. She had a horror, I mean, it was a journey of ups and downs, and she ended up getting somebody to have a child for her. And if you remember all the drama, and it was just a bad experience all around. But she had faith, and she trusted in God in this decision. So I guess here's how I'm going to make a pretty hard stop so we can have communion and have time for it. But I'll just tell you that Abram would become the father of many nations. He's one of the most important men in all history. And I cannot imagine how it would have turned out if he would have gone, you know what? I just don't think I'm up for this, Lord. Imagine if he'd said no to God. Imagine if we said no to God. I mean, how long can you say no to God? If you say no to God over and over, you won't receive the blessing. But when you say yes... If we trust, no matter how difficult it is, there's blessing in the obedience. There's peace in the obedience. There's trust in the, um, in the, uh, in, in the blessing. We, we bless, we're, we're, if we trust him, we're blessed. There's excitement. There's joy in it. Um, so I guess I would say to you, to, to tie it into communion, when we come to the communion table, here's what I always think about when it comes to faith is that um, you, you've got a table over here that's got bread and uh, grape juice on it. And it's real easy to, to trust that Jesus died. That's pretty easy to believe. A man came, he did some great things, and he died. We're all going to die. So there's not a lot of faith when you just go, okay, Jesus' death. The faith is in the resurrection. The faith is, do you believe that Jesus Christ was resurrected? Do you believe that the man who they crucified and hung on a cross and buried, that on the third day he came back to life? This is the core tenet of our faith. Do you believe that Jesus was resurrected? Do we believe as a congregation that Jesus was resurrected? Do we believe that Jesus was resurrected? I'm just making sure because you better answer yes to that one because if you don't believe in the resurrection, it was pretty much all hogwash. It all swings on the pendulum of the resurrection. And if we believe that Jesus Christ was a God who, who died and was buried and rose on the third day from death and walked the earth for 40 days and then ascended into heaven and sent the Holy Spirit, then he can do any and everything through us. He can do any and all things through us who believe in him. We have to believe that. So let's step into a positioning of faith in your individual life, in your life as a church, and let's come to the table today in expectant waiting that God is going to do good things. That's what I ask of you. 
to step into a position to go, God is going to do great things. In your life, in the life of the congregation, as disciples, God is going to do great things. If you don't think he's going to do great things, then look back at the resurrection. Because you can't look at that and say, that's not wonderful. He was resurrected. I need a shirt that says, he was resurrected, y'all. He was resurrected. He came back from the dead. If you grasp that he came back from the dead when you receive this, you understand that he can bring you from death to life. That he can resurrect your marriage, that he can resurrect your job, that he can resurrect your church, that he can resurrect anything that he needs to and breathe life into it. But you have to have faith. It all hinges on faith. Faith is what gets you into heaven. It's not good works. It's faith. So believe when you come and say, God, I know that you have good things for me, for my church, for my children, for my family, for my marriage, for my job, and trust him. And if you don't have faith, listen, just lay it out there to him and go, God, I do believe. Help my unbelief. There's a man who said that in the Bible, and I have to preach that story one day.